I want to begin, I don't want to forget this, so I want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you folks for uh, being so generous in every way that you can imagine as long as I've known you. And, uh, and for the generosity of, of inviting Donna and I to come up here and to be with you and to pay not just my ticket, but to pay Donna's probably because you're afraid I wouldn't make it otherwise. But, but, but nevertheless, thank you so much. You have no idea uh, just uh, how much you folks are in our heart. I dream about you in my dreams. I mean, it's just, it's just, it, it's going to be great, isn't it, in heaven? It really is when we're all there and we don't have to worry about saying goodbye anymore. It's hard to believe our time is flying so fast. And, and just like the old folks, now I am one, uh, they used to tell us it just starts flying even faster, doesn't it, the older, older we get. And, and, and now I'm to my third uh, talk, the last of the three. And I think just as important as, as the other two. Jesus keeps with his theme of, of the big happiness. He really wants you to be blessed in the biggest of ways. And not just to be blessed by, by having a lot of materialism, a lot of dirt, a lot of mud, real estate, whatever you want to call it. He wants you to, to not be as rich as Bill Gates. He wants you to be as rich as God. And, and God is serious about that. And that's what he does and talks about in Matthew chapter 5. And, and in chapter 6, he knows that the devil is going to use something against you. He's going to cause you to worry. And I think John did an absolutely amazing job of just helping me to calm down. And I just loved, loved hearing him just speak. He just spoke to my heart uh, on that topic. And, and in, so in chapter 6, Jesus, knowing that, that that would rob you of this blessedness, wanted to talk about worry, to, to remember God and forget about the future. Just put it all in, in God's hands. And he doesn't change that in chapter 7. And so what I want to look at is chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And in that, in that, uh, in that text, uh, Jesus talks to us about some things that, that we really need to know to live up to what he wants us to do more than anything else. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's where his heart was. That's why he came here on the planet. He wouldn't even have come if it were not for wanting to seek and save the lost. Another way he put it on another occasion is that he came to give us life and that we might have it more abundantly. But how are we then you know, going to live this blessed life that he wants us to do and be able to reach out to a lost and dying world and, and be the hands of Jesus in trying, trying to save others. That's an awesome task. It is so, so hard that it could just take the joy out of life. And sometimes in trying to reach people in a world that's getting more and more where they could care less about the truth. I mean, we're selling the truth and there's nobody out there that's buying anymore. And in a situation like that, that could just make life so miserable. And there have been other times like this. Society goes back and forth and back and forth. How can we happily uh, just proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in, in a blessed way? And that's really what he's talking about today. I want to look at, I want, in Matthew chapter 7, I want to, to do this just a little bit different than we sometimes do things. Usually what preachers do, they'll have, and so often the Bible breaks down into three points. It just works that way. The ancient brethren used to say it's because one's for the Father, one's for the Son, one's for the Holy Spirit. But they were just kind of kidding too. But they, they were aware of the fact that there were so many threes. But instead of looking at, at the point 
uh, you know, each point and, and giving a story, you know, to illustrate it like Jesus would give a parable and then show you what the Bible says about it and then make application. What I would like to do is just give you the three stories, first of all, and then give you the three points and then give you the three applications. That's, so let's just do it a little bit different because Jesus did things a little bit different every once in a while himself. He told, told three parables and his disciples would say, what was that all about? And then he would explain it to them. That's kind of the way we're going to be doing this. I want to start out then with not three parables, but something like a parable, three stories. And the first story is about a judge, a judge. Don and I were able to work with a congregation down in Bowden, Georgia, that was some of, those, some of the most wonderful people. They, they remind me so much about you folks. I talked to you about them when I was here, you might recall. But they were just great folks. There was a preacher who was there before me that I thought this is going to be a hard act to follow because, you know, preachers talk like that. They say, well, he's going to be a hard act to follow because he was a good man. And his children, when they talked about him, they talked about how, how much they loved their father. I mean, they, he really had what really makes a difference going for him. And furthermore, he, uh, he was the guy, he, this nice house that we were living in, he had, had been involved in, in planning it and everything. He had all this talent about building and you all about cars, hunting, everything, all the Georgians loved. I thought, this is going to be a hard act to follow. But it, oddly enough, was not. They, the congregation thought more of us, I think, maybe than even they should have, I believe, because of one thing. This brother would get up in the pulpit and talk about, just like I would to, to some extent, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you don't believe and if you're not baptized, you won't be saved. And you won't be saved. And he pointed out that even his own family, my mother and father have passed away and they are lost right now. Only he would go in graphic detail to some extent as to where they were. And the brethren didn't quite know how to handle that. I mean, what, what do you say? And they couldn't quite put their finger on it, but something just didn't seem right. And I don't know of anything else. I think that was the only thing that destroyed a good man's ministry was, was just being quite that judgmental. Well, that's the first story. The second story, this is about a judge, a hypocrite, a pig. I like the pig one the best. But anyway, let's go to the hypocrite. Let's go to the hypocrite. I probably like this one the least. Uh, because there are so many. I mean, we could talk about people on TV, the Bakers, the Swigerts, and people like that talk about those guys, but I want to be honest. I mean, we have our own people. We have people we have to deal with who are hypocritical. How do you deal with the hypocrites, those people who are within the church who are two-faced? Because that's going to happen. To some extent, all of us have sinned, and therefore all of us are going to have, to a certain extent, hypocrisy within us. And that becomes a, a real difficult situation when, when the news media starts reporting things like, you know, in this is on the net still, Apologetics Press published two articles making a biblical case against homosexuality and listing the authors as Harab, Thompson, and Miller. Both articles remain on the organization's website, but reference to Thomas, Thompson as an author have been deleted. I don't know if you folks remember that, that scandalous situation years ago where Brother Tom, uh, Brother. Thompson, I won't say Thomas, I don't know why. Brother Thompson uh, had been teaching people against homosexuality 
and was bright enough knowing Alabama law that you'd better not do anything until they are of age, and then perverting young men just when they got old enough that he couldn't get in trouble with the law. And finally, these young men turned him in. But I'm grateful to admit uh, and thankful to point out to you that he did repent and just try to make things right. I, I have tried to find out what has happened, but it seems like to some extent he's just dropped, dropped off the face of the earth. I hope the best for him. But at any rate, that's the hypocrite. You've got a judge, a hypocrite. How do you deal with people like that? Judge, a hypocrite. And last of all, my favorite, this cute little pig. That pig's just as happy as he can be. What's more happy than a pig in mud? I remember working at Western, and, and there was a, a poster that was up when I first moved there. That some, someone had put it up, one of the teachers, and it had a pic, picture of a pig in mud just about like this pig. And the caption on, on, the, on the poster said this, Arguing with a student, it's like wrestling a pig. You both get dirty and the pig loves it. I just, I, I just like that. <laughs> and that's the way it is when you start arguing with some people. There's some people out there who just like pig, just, you know, and, and so it doesn't matter what you say to them, they're going to up the ante. I, and I, I just recall one time finding myself in Woodbury, Tennessee, and running across my good friend's father. And not really remembering him, except in my youth when I was a little guy, I didn't know what he had become or really much about his character. But he had decided that he had some strange ideas about religion, and he knew I was a preacher in the church. And so right in the middle of a grocery store, he starts making all kinds of noise, and I was dumb enough to fall into that. But finally, I realized this isn't going to work. And so I just kind of walked away, because people were just going to be, he wasn't listening to me anyway. And so sometimes you have people who are just like that. So there you have it, a judge, a hypocrite, and a pig, and you say, what in the world? Does the price of rice in China have to do with this? What, you know, what are you talking about here? Here's what we're talking about right here. In Matthew 7, there it is. I'll just point it out to you. There's your judge, there's your hypocrite, and there's your pig. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. And so you have those three points that Jesus is talking about and those three things that we want to look at. You know, those, look at them individually. And as you look at them, you'll find out that the, worst, the first one has more to do with, with judging people who are lost or saved. So you're dealing with the lost without issue. And the second one, when you talk about hypocrites, it's more like those who are part of the church. If you're not a, Christ, not a Christian at all, there's no hypocrisy. You're just not a Christian. But those who are brothers is the second one. And the third one, just pigs. They can be generic. They can be brothers or otherwise. You know? And so we have to deal with them as well. Let's look at the first one. 
How do you handle the loss then? Jesus begins by saying, do not judge. That's the word crino. The word crino means, does not mean to judge. Sometimes when people read this, they think it means that, that like Caesar, thumbs down. And so we're not allowed to judge. That. No, that's not true. Let me illustrate it for you. I want you folks to know all of you, I'm, I'm sure, are, are, are going to heaven. The people on this side of the auditorium, I'm sure that you people are going to heaven. Thumbs up. How do you folks feel? You feel kind of left out, don't you? You see, any time you decide to, to just say, these denominations are going to heaven and these are not, or you say, this person is, this person, any time you decide to take on God's place, then you automatically are doing some real damage to the church. That's no way to happily spread the gospel. And that's what Jesus wants you to do, to go out there and spread the good news. Now, it's so important is this that to do this, that we have an illustration in the Bible from one of the brothers of Jesus himself, Jude, who tells us about Michael the archangel when he argued or disputed with the devil. Now, Michael the archangel, does he know what's going on? Sure. Does he know who's going to heaven, who's going to heaven? Sure. He's got the whole thing down. But still, even so, the Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the, the body of Moses, whatever that was about, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And the reason he said that is because it's the Lord's business. It's not my business, it's not anyone else. How, how do I know who went to heaven or who went to hell? I'm not even sure Hitler went to hell. You want to know why? Because I don't know if Hitler had a brain tumor. I don't know what caused him to be the way he was. All I know is that God has all the facts and I don't have all the facts, and so I have to leave those things up to God in the ultimate judgment. But the problem is that sometimes people can carry that too far as if and stand for nothing. Just because we don't judge people doesn't mean we don't need to know some things. There's a difference between judging and knowing. But there's our story then. Can you imagine what would have happened with that preacher who was before me down in Bowden, Georgia? Can you imagine if someone came to him, and sometimes religious groups know exactly how to push our buttons. They figure that out. But imagine someone came to him and said, Brother, tell, tell me how to be saved. And, G and he would say, Well, the Bible, Jesus said it plainly. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And this person thought to themselves and said, Wait a minute. The greatest saint I have ever known is my sainted grandmother. And she believed and was saved, but she was afraid of water and never got baptized. So where is she, preacher? Now, what is he supposed to say at that point? Let me tell you what I believe Jesus is telling us to say. Just preach the truth with, with, with you know, just the good news, the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And when somebody asks you that, just say, who, and I've said this so many times, they, don't, they, they, they know that it's over when I say this. I say, do I look like God to you? Do I look like somebody who could make a fine judgment like that? It's up to God to make up his own mind. God can break his own rules if he wants to. I'm not going to argue with God. I know that the Bible says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But I know that there are exceptions that God has made within Scripture that are beyond, in the case of David, when you think about the way David was treated and so on. And so God has made exceptions. But all I'm, I'm saying to you is that this is what the Bible says. Can you imagine how much more powerful 
he would have been working within the church. And so it was that when we got there to that little congregation and preached it just like that, there were brethren who just kind of gathered around me when the whole thing was over, particularly one of the ladies, and just, finally we understand where this is coming from. This just, just makes so much sense. It makes it so much easier to reach out and try to help people who are lost. And I want to tell you, if you ask me about anyone in your family, if you ask me about yourself as to whether or not you're going to heaven or hell, I'm, going to, I'm not going to tell you because I don't know. I may, may even have a guess, but there's a huge difference between judging and thinking you know something. Because only on the other side will we really know. That's the part about judging. How about the part about being a hypocrite? Hypocrisy. Don't be a judge, but do know is summarizes this one. But going on to the next one, how do we handle those people who are saved? Listen to Jesus here on this one. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I want you to notice the parallelism of what's going on here. We are first of all dealing with brothers. Brothers, brothers, you know, brothers. You, you, can't, you can't miss that Jesus is talking about those who are a part of his kingdom, who are, who are a part of one another, or will be a part of his kingdom. But down here he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's the way it has to be done, just like he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Don't, don't say, we'll get you baptized, then you can believe later if you want to, or don't start mixing those things up. The first thing you do is you work on your own problems within your own, own life. You get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you can see clearly to take care of the speck in someone's else eye, someone else's eye. It might even be true, and Jesus would probably tell you this, that you may be the one who has the speck in your eye, and they are the one who has the log in their eye. But whatever the case, get rid of the speck so that you can see more clearly to take care of the log in there. However you look at it, however you view it, you start with yourself because guess what? There's not one of us that's all that much better than anybody else. We're saved by the grace of God or we are not saved at all. I remember one of those illustrations that's just so beautiful that I read a number of years ago about two people who, were, who went down in a, in a huge ocean liner and, and one was a great famous swimmer and the other one could hardly dog paddle. Which one would you rather be? Out in the middle of the ocean, it doesn't matter, you're dead. You're not going to swim out of that, no matter which one you are. So maybe you think you've got some bragging rights, that you've got a little bit more on me or somebody else in here, that sort of thing. But you are dead without the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to swim out of this alone. You're not. And so every one of us, when we find ourselves trying to deal with someone else and trying to help some brother who's suffering with that speck or that log in their eye, whatever it is, we need to realize who we are, for all have sinned. No matter who we are, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But don't let that verse turn this into an excuse for doing nothing. Some people just say, well, I'm a sinner too. And I, I know he's hurting, she's hurting or whatever, but I don't, I'm, I'm not going to do anything about it. I don't care about those people. That's basically what you're saying. 
No, we care about people. We care about people who are hurting. We love them, and we know what miserable sinners we are ourselves. If someone decided to take the worst moments of your life and put them on film and play it before this congregation right now, I'll guarantee you, you could humble down real quick. And so that's what we need to do when we take it upon ourselves to go to a brother or sister that we love with all of our heart, but we want to help them. We don't have an excuse. We can't do one without the other. Just back it up here to that. First, you, you work on yourself, and then you work on them. You can't say, I'm just going to work on myself, or I'm just going to work on them. No, it has to be both of those things. Just like he that believes and is baptized shall be You can't go skipping things. You've got to do them both, and the way Jesus said it, you've got to do it in that order. First, you work and pray on, about yourself. And then this is what you do. You do what Brother Curtis Benefield did. I took Curtis Benefield with me to go see a brother who was having some problems with alcoholism. And, and he tried to tell me he didn't have a problem with alcoholism. I said, look, I know you do. You went all over yourself. Let's, you, he's standing there having urinated on himself and trying to argue with me that he didn't have a problem with alcoholism. So I took Curtis along with me. I thought Curtis would be able to help me. This was down in Bowden, Georgia. And so I was trying to be kind to this fellow and trying to help him to work through this. And, and finally he says, I just can't help myself. And Curtis went off on him. He went off like you would not believe. He says, you can help it too. I remember why I took Curtis with me because Curtis had been an old alchemist. And he said, you cannot use that as an excuse. You are going to kill yourself. You have got to say to yourself, yes, I can do this. Yes, God has made me to be able to do this. You cannot stand here and say, God has made me this way. God wants me to be a drunk. If you take that stance, you'll never get anywhere. And he just read him the riot act. And the brother was in church and in Sober for a long time. I wonder if he's, I was even more sober when, when the whole thing was over because I thought this guy's really, really kind of reading him the, the law. But he did him a great deal of good. His little family was there. They were back. You see, you just can't just overlook things. You got to care about people. You got to love people. But you have to stand there like Curtis did and said, this is what I was. You can't just stand there holier than thou and say, you can do this. No, you've got to say, no, this is, I'm no better than you because you're not. And by the grace of God, I've been saved. And if you get to heaven yourself, it's going to be by the grace of God. But you have this to, to get rid of because it's stealing your joy. It's eating your lunch. It's, going, it's not going to help you in the least. We've got to get rid of this speck in your eye. And if I can tell you about the log that the Lord delivered me from, surely we can work on this speck and pray about it and work about it and turn it into something glorious and great. Look at the Apostle Paul and, and how he took the sins of his life and turned it into a ministry. Look at David, Psalm 38, 51. Just sing uh, all of that stuff with Nathan and Bathsheba and just have the whole brotherhood singing all about that. Just being able to turn the whole thing around and, and, and just take that defeat that the devil was using and using it for victory and for power. Well, all have sinned and all of us have our, our hypocrisy, don't we? But just to summarize this, don't be a hypocrite, but do know, do know. Just because we don't want to be a hypocrite and just because we don't want to be judgmental 
doesn't mean that we don't know that someone's hurting, that they've got a speck in their eye. We need to deal with it. Well, there's a judge, hypocrite, and, and then there's the pig. There's the pig. How do you handle the pigs of the world? The pigs of the world are those people who will just turn on you, they'll destroy you, and it doesn't matter how hard you try to help them, they can't be helped. Maybe if you waited for a while, maybe next year you might be able to help them. But at that point in their life, you say, why would you call anybody a pig? Because Jesus did. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. There's some people who will just, just, they just love the noise. They just love just to be rude and unkind to people. Jesus, however, a little bit later in the same Sermon on the Mount in verse 15, said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Now you need to know them. You need to know them by their fruits. He tells you that this is, is a must to be able to know that you're dealing with a pig or a dog, whichever one you'd rather look at. It kind of grates on your nerves to even use the language that Jesus used, but nevertheless, that's the language that he did use. In fact, we are told even to deal with people like that, warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. We have a brother that I know of right now who, who should have been dealt with a long, long time ago within the church down in, in, in Kentucky, and he just continues to to tear the church up and just make so much trouble because he just loves doing it. He just loves doing it. If he's over here and he's talking about something and he's afraid some of you over there can't tell that he's reaming somebody out over here, he knows enough, even as old as he is, to talk loud enough that you can hear what's going on. What do you do with people like that? Well, you... you you warn a divisive person once, and then you warn him a second time, and after that have nothing to do with it. There's people who are just like pigs. That it's, it's time, you know, you just arguing with a, with a person like that, a brother like that, it's like wrestling with a pig. Pig loves it, just loves it. And you both get dirty. I got it out of line, didn't I? You both get dirty, and the pig loves it. And so don't be a pig. Don't let them drag you in, down into the mire, but do know who a pig is. Be able to identify them and just, just get away from them. Just get away from them. So you have there from Jesus then this, this, uh, these three, these three uh, ways of dealing with people. And if you can just for a moment imagine how happy it would be in our brotherhood, how much easier it would be to do the awesomely difficult task of trying to reach a lost and dying world for Jesus and trying to help those people within our brotherhood who need help and even help pigs because, you know, arguing with them and, and giving them a voice like that doesn't even help them, you know? Just, we, they should, should just find out we're not listening anymore until you're ready to say something worth listening to. And so when you find yourself dealing with people in this way, there's so much more joy in taking the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. It becomes good news and not just a constant frustration. This brother, Brother uh, Kaufman, in his commentary in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, he comments on the very thing that we're talking about here. And I wanted you just to see this so you would know that this is not just something that Hugh has gotten off on. 
but something that is really profoundly a part of the heart of Jesus and should be the heart of the ministry of the church no matter, no matter where it is in the world, no matter how many years ago or into the future. Kaufman writes, the widespread failure, excuse me, let me get a little bit of water here. He is talking to our brotherhood. He's talking to us. He is a faithful member of the church, passed on now, and he's warning us that we in churches of Christ, some of us at least, have messed up. And he's right. I think we've caught on to it now, but during his time, not nearly as much. The widespread failure of otherwise devoted people, otherwise good brothers and sisters in the Lord, the widespread failure of otherwise devoted people to observe this injunction to judge not that you be not judged, to observe this injunction is tragically regrettable. And yet some insist on their right to judge others and defend it on the basis of Jesus' words, by their fruits you shall know them. His commentary, discerning and judging, however, are two different things. Making a private, personal, and tentative appraisal of others is not forbidden, but judging is forbidden. Do you see the difference? There's a whole lot of, I, I, I'm one of these people who like to stick with a biblical, a good standard translation of the Bible and use the words from the text as much as I can instead of using my own synonyms. It just makes it clear in people's minds and, and you can see the power of what the scriptures are saying. Really in the context of what Jesus is saying, here are the two words. Don't judge, but do know. You see the difference between judging and knowing? It's a huge difference. In judging, you have, to, you, you, you have to let people know. You have to communicate. You have to say this or this or whatever. But in knowing, you say, I've got a pretty good idea, but this is just kind of a tentative idea because I'll know more on the other side about judging. But I've got a pretty good idea that this is your problem or that is your problem or so on. And so Jesus commands you to know them by their works. But he didn't say, take over my father's job and plant yourself on the throne of God as, as if, I know, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. That is a massive difference. And we have no excuse to obey one and not obey the other. You can't say, well, I'm not going to judge. And, though you, and so you go off and say, I don't even want to know what's right or wrong. No, that's not what he said. Nor can you say, I know all about it, and you go ahead and judge. No, you have to do both of those things. Don't judge, but you'd better know who the pigs and such are when you're trying to go out and, and happily, joyously, in a blessed way, reach a lost and dying world. This is a pretty powerful lesson if, you could really, if we could really uh, get it way down deep inside of us. Jesus... It's not because I presented it, because my biggest problem is that I get in the way. But when nothing gets in the way of what Jesus is teaching us, and it goes down deep into our heart, what a tremendous blessing it always is when we know exactly what Jesus wants us to do. It's always, always a blessing. So, here's the three applications quite quickly. How to happily share the gospel to those people who are lost without the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what you do. Don't judge them. You never judge. Don't judge. But just happily teach them the gospel. And if they say something like, are you telling me I'm going to hell? I'd say, well, you know, I'll tell you that Jesus made you a promise. 
And I'll tell, every, I'll tell you folks this, this, I'll just, right now. Jesus made you a promise. He wanted to give it in the form of a promise. He told you, if you will believe and if you will be baptized, you'll be saved. He promised you that. That's his promise. It's, it didn't come in the form of a commandment, that one, not in Mark 16, 16. He just, it just came in the form of a promise. If you'll believe, if you'll be baptized, Jesus says, I'll save you. Do you believe him? Well, I believe him, but I think all I have to do is just believe, and I don't really believe that I have to be baptized, or I believe I was sprinkled as a baby, and I really don't have to believe, or just whatever, you start playing around with that in, in the hundreds of different ways that various denominations have. And then you say to me, well, Hugh, what do you think? Do you think I'm, I'm lost or saved? I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to tell you I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know enough to judge. I've got a pretty good idea, but I can't prove it because God is the only one who judges. Can you see how much happier, happier that is to deal with people? To the saved, don't judge, just happily remove the speck. Sure, don't, don't be overly judgmental. Realize that you yourself have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but at the same time, do your best in a non-judgmental way through mercy and grace, to pray for people that you love. Especially when you either still have a log or you've just finished removing one. Or you can, and make sure, make sure, when you have had a log in your eye, like our brother Curtis, when you, you've been just the, the, the town drunk, make sure you use that. Make sure you say, don't tell me about that. I understand what I'm talking about. The Lord saved me from that. The Lord can save you from that too. Don't be a coward about that. Use that. It's as powerful as the testimony of the Apostle Paul to some people when you can share what God has graciously done for you. And number three, to the pigs of the world. This is the easiest one of the bunch. Just kind of don't judge them because we're never supposed to judge anybody as to whether or not they're going to heaven or hell. Don't judge them. Just kind of look them up and down and say, I think I know what this guy is, and just kind of say, just walk away and hope they grow up enough that someday you'll be able to talk to them about Jesus. Now, none of this, I hope, and I worry that, that people will take things like this to mean that you really don't have to stand for anything. And that's not true. That there's no, that there's no judgment going on. There is a great deal of judgment. We're not judged. We don't do the judging. The word of Jesus Christ is what does the judging. Jesus said, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. And so what Jesus has to say, that is what will judge us. There will be judgment, and Jesus will do that. By the way, the Bible even tells us that the saints shall judge the earth, but by that time we'll be downloaded like in a computer with all the information we need, and we'll be able to help to judge about things like that. We will know. And our judgment will, be, will no doubt be the very same judgment that, that God would have made. Remember, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, No, you're not, that the saints shall judge the earth. And so it then is different than it is now. But now the way we are, all we can do is just open up the word of the Lord and, and just preach what the Bible says and just keep on going through it. That's what I try to do in preaching. That's what I've tried to do here. Just keep on going and don't try to pull away from anything Jesus says and let the hit dog howl, whichever one it gets. And sometimes it's me. I tell you what, some of these things, I've made up my mind that I'm going to preach through it no matter what. And I get up here and I just step all over my own toes. And I feel ignorant and foolish and everything else. 
But that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Just let God's word shine through no matter what it says. Let it do the judging for you and, and it'll be a great blessing to you. And the Bible still says, he who has believed and been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. I don't want to judge you, but I do encourage you, if you've not trusted Jesus on this, to, to trust him, that if you'll believe and be baptized, do you trust him? Do you believe him? He'll save you. He will.